today's word. And many times in our lives, we need the hand of God to feed us. You need God to participate in taking care of you. God says when your mother and your father forsake you, he would take care of you. Sometimes you need God to carry you because you feel lonely or you are down. And sometimes you need God to gather you because you have gone afar. And then the hand of the Lord guides us. God guides us with his hand. And the passage we read says, he gently leads those who are with young. The word, of, word gentle means patiently. Patiently. God leads us, guides us patiently with his hand. God knows how to lead those who are fast and those who are slow. Now that passage, those who are with young, means pregnant people. People who are heavily pregnant. And if you know anything about pregnancy, I haven't been pregnant before, but I've watched it before. Uh, when somebody's pregnant, they are slow. I've never seen a nine-month or eight-month-old pregnant woman uh, running 100 meters and winning. I mean, they may win it against somebody, but the person has to be extra, extra slow. But generally, if you are pregnant, your movements slow down. And if you are leading a pregnant woman, you have to gently do it. One step, baby. Two steps, baby. Honey, sit down, baby. You know, you, you, have, you have to be caring because you know, they, they can't move very fast. If your wife is pregnant and you are walking, you may leave them behind. But the Bible says God gently leads those who are with child. Now, what does that mean? It means that when you are carrying load and you are heavy and God is leading you, he's gentle with you. He's gentle with you. God leads different people differently. There are some people God is extra gentle. There is a guy in the Bible that God gently led. His name is Jonah. He was with child. Jonah was a prophet of God, and God says to Jonah, go and tell the people of Nineveh to repent. Now, that's supposed to be something that should make a prophet happy. God has sent me to go and tell people, repent. After all, that's what I'm supposed to do. But Jonah says, I don't like the people of Nineveh. I want them to suffer. It's almost as if God says, pray for that man. And you say, God, I hate him. And God says, pray for him. You say, I hate him. I want him to die. God says, I want him to live. Pray for him. So at that time, you are pregnant. You are heavy. God has to gently lead you. So God is now trying to lead Jonah. And Jonah takes a ship. He's going the opposite direction. Nineveh is, is in the east. He's going to the west. As far as the east is from the west. So God says, Jonah, you have to go to Nineveh. I'm not going to force you, but I will gently lead you. So he takes a ship, and God says, well, the only way to get Jonah's attention is I have to throw some water into the sea, so more water into the sea. And God starts using his hand to move the boat this way, and that way the ship is going, that way, that way, that way. So Jonah says, yeah, you're doing it. I don't care. I'm going to sleep. I know God is doing this one. I won't go to Nineveh. Oh, I won't go to Nineveh. He goes down to the bottom of the ship, and God is still with his hand turning the ship, turning the ship, turning the ship. So the people in the ship say, listen, what is happening doesn't make sense. 
something is going wrong. Somebody somebody is running away from God. So they find their own way of divining, and the thing falls on Jonah. And Jonah said, I know. I like Jonah because he doesn't even dispute. He doesn't argue. He doesn't say, well, I haven't done anything. He said, I know. I'm running away from God. They said, then why are you doing this? Yeah, I, I don't like Nineveh. I don't want to go there. God said, okay, all right. Then we'll. So he himself suggests the solution. Throw me away. Now, when he says throw me away, he just means kill me. In other words, I better die than go to Nineveh. So God says, okay, Jonah. They throw him into the sea, and God allows a big fish to come and swallow him. That is gentle leading. <laughs> God is gently. God's hand is leading Jonah. So he's leading the guy. And, the, and Jonah goes to the fish, the belly of the fish, and he's praying for three days. And praying for the first few days, he doesn't care. So he just digest me and kill me. Because going to Nineveh is the last thing on my mind. But the third day, he starts praying. And as he prays, God allows the fish to vomit him out. So he gets out. And guess where the fish puts him? Nineveh. It is called the gentle leading of the Lord. The gentle leading. Now, now some of us are, are like that. God is gently leading you. You are going far away. Then he will throw something away. And then he will put something out of the way. Then he will kick that. And, and then he will put a mountain in front of you. And you say, God, it's a devil. No, no, it's not the devil. God, God says, you, you don't need to go there. But you are insistent on going there. I will put a valley in front of you. I will put a river in front of you. I will put a storm in front of you. Because you need to turn to that side. And he's going to be patient with you. Until you finally end up where he wants you to be. It is the hand of the Lord. Don't always rebuke the devil. Sometimes the devil has no business in the things happening. The devil had nothing to do with the storm that hit the ship. The devil had no business with that fish that swallowed Jonah. It was all God gently leading his son into his will. That is the hand of the Lord. So the, the writer here says that God, the hand of the Lord, will guide us. And sometimes he does that by pursuing us even when we're running away from him. David puts it this way in Psalm 139 verse 5 to 10. It says, you have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. In other words, David is saying, I can't run away from you. There are people here who will be running away from God. And God says, you can't run away from me. I will catch you. Especially people who have a calling of God upon their lives. God has called them, and they don't want to go. They're like Jonah. And you go run and run and run and run, and God is just trailing you wherever you go. He says, I've called you. I've called you. I've called you. I've called you. And sometimes you try everything else. It doesn't work. Because you know 
You're supposed to go to Nineveh. And now you are running in boats to Tashish. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to interfere in your lives until you get to the place of my will. It is the hand of the Lord seeking for you unto the uttermost parts of the world. The hand of the Lord guides us. The hand of the Lord cares for us. The hand of the Lord works in our lives. The hand of the Lord rewards us. The hand of the Lord rules in our lives. But it does more than that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 32, verse 7 to 8, there is a statement by King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was a king of Judah. And at this time, they are under siege because the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, had come a king against Judah. Sennacherib and Assyria were a mighty military force. You would say a superpower of their day. And they had come against Judah. And everywhere that Sennacherib goes with his army, he conquers the people. Nobody wins. So Sennacherib comes to Judah with his Assyrian army and he says to Hezekiah, surrender. And Hezekiah says, we're not going to surrender. They shut down the, 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 the city gates. And Sennacherib starts sending message to the people in Judah and say, let me tell you something, people in Judah. You think your God can deliver you? Go and check the, my record. Everywhere I went to, the people thought their gods could deliver them, and I conquered them. And I'm going to do the same thing with that God of yours, you call Yahweh. So this is a major battle against a superpower. Now, Hezekiah is the king. Isaiah was the prophet at that time. And this is what Hezekiah says to the people of Judah. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there is more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. Eventually, the, it went, the message went to Isaiah, the prophet. The people of God prayed. And then uh, Hezekiah's generals and army heads were killed by God. Hezekiah, uh, no, uh, Sennacherib's generals and uh, army heads were killed by the Lord. So he had to take his whole army from Judah go back to his hometown in Assyria where there was a coup d'etat and they overthrew him. I'm using modern terms. But look at what Hezekiah says. He says, with him is the arm of flesh. The arm of flesh is the opposite of the hand of the Lord. The arm of flesh. What is the arm of flesh? The arm of flesh is natural or human strength and capacity. The arm of flesh is all the power that we have developed as human beings. 
Over the years, the arm of flesh has become more and more profound. So, Hezekiah is looking at the battle and he says, I see what he has. He has the arm of flesh, but I have the arm of the Lord. Now, between the arm of the Lord and the arm of flesh, this is a battle between the arm of flesh and the arm of the Lord. Which is superior? Well, in that particular battle, the arm of the Lord won. So we learn that the hand of the Lord is mightier than the arm of flesh. The hand of the Lord is mightier than the arm of flesh. In all the battles of life, remember that the arm of the Lord is stronger than every arm of the flesh. And you have to also remember that the hand of the Lord overrules the arm of flesh. Sennacherib boasted in his past victories. He spoke confidently of defeating other people and their gods. But he was overruled by the hand of the Lord. Now, the battle of the believer, you and I, the battles we are engaged in is confidence in the arm of the Lord or confidence in the arm of flesh. Now, if you lived in the days of Israel, in the past, as we read in the Bible, and you came before the Jordan River, you would know that there was no arm of flesh that will give you access to go across the river when it is uh, full. There's no, there's no way because there was no human technology. There's no arm of flesh that could cross a river. There's no arm of flesh that could cross a sea. So the only thing you could do was depend on the hand of the Lord. Because if you look at it, there's no arm of flesh. But over the years, human technology has developed. And so now we have bridges over rivers. And bridges over long spans of water. So when we go to a long spans of water, our solution would never be, let me pray for God to open the water. Our solution would be, where is the bridge? And where there's no bridge, we think nothing else can be done. Because now we have come to the point where there is no arm of flesh. We don't trust the arm of the Lord again. Because the arm of the Lord is despised and the arm of flesh is on it. But in those days, because the arm of flesh had not developed, people believed in the arm of the Lord. So if they came to a water and there was no way to go through, they trusted God for the water to open. These days, when you come before the water and there's no way through, you're going to say, we have to talk to the uh, Metropolitan Chief Executive to put a bridge on this water. So you don't even trust God again because the arm of flesh is more real than the arm of the Lord. In the days of the Bible, if you wanted to talk to somebody who was not immediately with you, there was no way you could communicate with him. If you need to talk to somebody in the next village, the next town, there's no other way. There's no arm of flesh. There's no technology that could help you 
to talk to somebody. So if, if somebody was in another town and you couldn't talk to him, you just have to pray for God to speak to him. Because that's the only way you could do it. You could just say, Lord, speak to the king and turn his heart. But these days there's telephone. So if you want to speak to somebody who is afar off, you don't pray. I don't pray. I just pick the phone. And when there's no phone, you say, I can't talk to him. Or you don't have the person that might say, I don't have his contact. I can't talk to him. But we forget, if the phone cannot do it, the arm of the Lord has never grown weak. It's not short. The arm of the Lord is still strong, but the arm of flesh makes us so confident that when there's no arm of flesh, we don't trust that the arm of the Lord will work. That's why in Isaiah 53 verse 1, it says, Who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? In other words, the arm of the Lord's revelation is based on the report you believe. If I believe that the arm of flesh is what is going to help me, if it is not there, I won't even believe that God can do it. But if I believe that the arm of the Lord has not grown weak or weary, then we can trust him. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebill, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebill. Email otebill at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.